0: Welcome back, and thanks for tuning in to Beyond the Hardwood, hosted by Deontay Ferguson, also known as Coach Fergo. Today's episode, I'll feature Alvin Brooks III, assistant coach at Baylor University, and if you know AB, then you know his resume does not disappoint. Somebody who has had success at every stop that they have made, and is one of the best assistant coaches in the country, and a soon-to-be head coach in the making. So stay tuned as I tap in with AB coming up next. Hey B, what's going on, man? Not much, man. How you doing? All is well, all is well. Appreciate you hopping on. You uh no you, you putting that uh new mic to use. Of
1: course, of course. Father's Day gift, so I have to make sure I, I take advantage of it. I was about
0: to say, you know, the be ready family's gonna uh, be at your head if you ain't putting that thing <laughs> to good use, man. That's that that's that be ready edition, one and only. I I know, I'm I'm
1: I'm interested to see how how it sounds, so I'm excited for when it come out,
0: for sure. So, man, let's let's start talking about you briefly, kind of get into your story, your background. So, you were born and raised in Houston, Texas. How was it growing up in Houston, especially when you were, you know, you were the son of, you know, the OG Alvin Brooks?
1: Well, I, I grew up around a,
0: a little different than what
1: most people may think. Um, I grew up in the inner cities. Um, A lot of different inner cities in Houston. So at the time, my dad was a a coach at the beginning of his life. And so it was a lot different. He didn't have the money that he have now. And so I kind of grew up standing in line for government cheese type. And so um, I looked in encyclopedias my whole childhood. Just, you know, I think my mom or my dad may have bought me encyclopedias. And so I kind of looked in encyclopedias to kind of escape the inner city. And so, um, luckily my dad, you know, was a very, um, a, a man that was determined to make sure that he make it. So when he became the head coach of university of Houston before my junior year of high school, that's when my life really changed because I moved with him and he stayed in a predominantly white neighborhood and kind of shell shocked me to go from
0: a all black school to all white high school so it was definitely different right and and you talk about you know switching high schools you started off at yates high school yep okay jy high (laughs) (laughs) and then you uh finish out your high school your stint high school over at taylor high school katie taylor yeah Uh so katie taylor is
1: kind of it's like a katie is like a suburb of houston Okay. and so it it's probably 40, 45 minutes, depending on what part of Houston. And so my mindset was so different back then to where I thought it was long distance. So I was telling my friends, like, man, I don't know if I could call you because I think it's long distance. <laughs> <But> <laughs> it really, really just local. But
0: that's how that's how my mindset was back then. Right. And then let me ask you this, just because I've been to Houston three times. Um uh, and I know Houston best city has a, in the world, bro. Of course, of course, it's it's good for things I can't really talk about on the uh <laughs> podcast, yeah, but we gonna that's another story for another day. So, uh, so I know Houston has a lot of you know great basketball trainers, uh, you know players. Um, uh, but I feel like if you haven't shown your face in Fondy, you know, yeah, uh you know that that there's a different breed that exposes a lot of people. Yeah, uh, Fundy
1: fundy certifies you on right. whether you're a good player or not. And when I was in college, they actually had a college league at the time. And so I spent a lot of my college summers in the Fundy playing in the college league. And Actually, one of my best dunks that I've ever had on somebody was at the Fundy College League. And so I may have to post it on Instagram again.
0: I was about to say, as we got to tap into <laughs> that. I ain't, <laughs> I ain't know you can get
1: up like that, AB. Yeah, um, way, way, way back in the day. Way, and way so, back. Uh, we had Rashard Lewis on my team. And at the time, you know, obviously he went straight out of high school to the NBA. So
0: right. he
1: should have been in college. So a lot of people thought we were cheating because of that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's funny because. I think I got my first experience, uh, Fondy, was right out of high school. Uh, excuse me, right out of college. I got the opportunity to go train with John Lucas. And mm. I get down there, and, you know, he, he you know, sizing everybody up, you know, seeing, <laughs> you know, like, he was like, you six six, He was like, what, you a 2-3 guard? I was like, man, I played the foe in college. He was like, what? He was like, man, <laughs> man get, over there with them. get over there with them shooting guards, them small fours. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's <laughs> so, him. That's him. So I got a rude awakening to that, you know, to that type of training and and uh, and stuff like that, man. So so you finish up, you know, high school um, and then you go to play at Midland College for two years and then you finish off your career by going off to um, Idaho State. Uh, Did you have dreams of playing professionally? Of course.
1: Of course. I don't know many basketball players that don't think they are pro. Right. If if you don't think you're a pro, why are you playing? Right. And so I definitely had dreams of playing professionally. And, I mean, one of my best friends was Rashard Lewis. I seen him in the NBA. So when I seen him in the NBA, my dreams of me making it, you know, I thought was even closer just because I seen somebody there that I know. And so um, I wanted to, but I had a better Junior college career than I did Division one, so you know obviously my Division one career. I don't think I could have played a pro anywhere with the stats that I had.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so you uh, finish up at Idaho State. I know recently uh, you've actually mentioned it before, KWTX station did a little short story, you know, on Father's Day about how you didn't want any parts of the coaching business at Um, all (laughs) especially after uh uh, you know seeing your pops be a a head coach what did you want to pursue career-wise when you thought coaching wasn't the move well initially I have a business
1: finance degree so initially my plan was to help professional athletes not go broke after they've done playing and so I was a part of a a financial group based out of Washington D.C. for six months, and I was kind of helping, helping him start up the sports side of financial advising, and did it for six months. It was, it was cool, but I was chasing money. Right. Um, I wasn't, you know, I was thinking, man, I'll be a millionaire after such and such after I manage all these dudes' money, but. I was miserable, and so it wasn't something that I really wanted to do, and then before that I was, I have a master's degree in sports administration to be an athletic director, and I shadowed, I was basically our athletic director Jim Center. he's now the athletic director at Texas El Paso, I shadowed him for six months, and I would be in his office all day, he'll take me everywhere. And I was like, uh, I don't know if I want to do this at this point in my career. And right. So going to Seattle, watching Rashard play games and watching him practice, I was like, I Watch Coach Dwayne Casey and Coach Nate McMillan, and I see them,
0: I was like, I could do this. And so that's right. kind of how I it. <laughs> All right, nice, nice. So you end up getting the opportunity to go back, or excuse me, uh, before you actually went back to Midland, you started off as an assistant at uh, Arkansas Fort Smith.
1: Yep, Arkansas Fort Smith with Jeremy
0: Cox. How was that experience, uh, being a young coach, getting into the business at that level? Because, you know, obviously you see your pops done it. You know, you seen you go and watch your best friend, Rashad Lewis and Dwayne Casey, and then, you know, you get into it. So how was that experience for you, you know, jumping right in? Man, the first two years
1: was really stressful. <laughs> I'm not going to even lie to you. Yeah. It was stressful because I put myself in a bad position. Um, I think, as a young coach, I'm a huge relationship guy. Right. And so um, we stayed in the same apartments as the players. And so basically, we had four right below us as the coaches. And I was doing too much to where I was playing video games with them. Um, I was always with them. Um, they would ride with me everywhere. And it got to the point to where I was stressed out because I wanted to make sure that all of them succeed. And I actually had like a, a hole in the middle of my head from, it's called it was called alopecia because I was stressed out because I was trying my best to make sure that every single one of them make it, and right. it was it was just too much for, you know, for a first-year first, first year head, first-year assistant coach.
0: Man, that's crazy. So, you know, you said you're a relationship guy. How were you able to balance out, you know, or kind of get yourself back on track to where you didn't stress yourself out, trying to help the guys, but also, you know, your health is important too. <clears throat> yeah,
1: I think the biggest thing is my my pops telling me, like, listen, you can't save them all. That doesn't mean that you don't try, but you can't stress yourself out when they fall short. Right. And so me just coming to the realization that I can't save them all, but I'm going to do everything that I can to try. And then I stopped playing video games with them. I had to cross the line of, okay, I'm a coach. I'm not a player with them. And so that kind of helped me transition more, especially going into my second year as an assistant coach. Like I really stopped playing video games with them and it became more of a, okay, I'm the coach and, you know, cause I wasn't that much older than most of them. Right. And so you have to make sure that they had a respect level. And if you're playing video games, you know, you get competitive <laughs> and, and they, they forget that I'm a coach. Yeah. And so, you know, they say something and then I feel disrespected and now it could go the wrong way.
0: Right. Right. Um, so during your your two years there and even, you know, when you went to Midland, were you reaching out to your pops for advice, trying to figure out, you know, how to balance it out, you know, find your way, trying to just learn from, you know, mistakes that other people have made? All the time. Yeah. All
1: the time. Even yeah. to this day. Right. I mean, uh, you know, I think that's one thing that you can never, you know, underestimate is having somebody you could call. And no matter, I mean, I listen, I I work for Coach Scott Drew, and he talked to his brother and his dad consistently. Right. And so he's the all-time winningest coach at Baylor, and he's still calling his family about how to handle things. You know, they watch some of our games, and they give them feedback on what they see. And so it's kind of a eyes on, you know, my dad do the same. He watches our games when he have a chance and he give me feedback because, you know, it's always better to, you know, we emotionally attached to the program. So it's always best to see what other people see outside.
0: Right. So during that time or within that two year span of you being at Arkansas Fort Smith, y'all had a crazy success, um, including a 33 and three record with a national title and then you end up leaving, going to Midland, and then y'all running back again and win <laughs> national championships or win national title. So it uh, sounds like you you kind of on your Drake way uh, running back to <laughs> back, back, to back. back I, to back, huh?
1: Yeah, I know, right? I start. I, I, I should tell. I should have tweeted Drake and say I started the back to back. But now, nah, man, we I was blessed to be first of all two great head coaches, Jeremy Cox at Arkansas Force. And Graham Caslon at Midland, and I mean we had great players at both both places. Right. Um, actually, a few guys, um, three Houston guys actually, came from Fort Smith to Midland with me. Okay. And so, three of us have back-to-back national titles, and the other one was a freshman. And one of them probably should be in a JUCO Hall of Fame because. He was part of back-to-back national championships, and he was all tournament at both schools, which wow. I'm sure has never been done. Right. And so Jordan Brooks, he was a six-three, six-four, just player. Like, played the four, but, I mean, he could handle it, rebound. The only thing he couldn't do was shoot, but in clutch situations, he hit threes. It was the craziest thing.
0: Man. That's, that's so
1: deep, man. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, that dude, he was a hooper, man. He was a hooper. And we had, obviously, at Fort Smith, we had Sonny Weems. He was the number one player in the country. Right. He ended up going to Arkansas. Um, Pasos was everything. And then Fort Smith, we had Namanja. He went to Purdue. And then we had, um, Actually, we lost a pro at Christmas at Midland, um, Nathan Jawa, like mm-hmm. a real pro. Like went to the – he just – he went the. he's from Australia, went to Australia for summer break. And
0: never came and back. did then come
1: back. Never came back. And, <laughs> you know, ended up in the NBA for a little bit. Right. Um, I think he's still playing overseas. And so, I mean,
0: for us to win without him it still is crazy in my opinion. So, man, you were only at Midland for a year. And then you get on as an assistant at Bradley. Kind of talk to us about that, you know, that process and how it was transitioning from going, you know, JUCO to to finally getting a foot in the in the door at the Division One level. Man, a lot of people probably think that because
1: of the success that I was a part of, back-to-back national championships, that that helped me get to Bradley. Far from the truth um Jarence howard who's now an assistant at kansas university he called me out of the blue and he's like hey you want to go to bradley and i was like bradley <laughs> i was like why are you not going right <laughs> and then he's like yeah i'm going you know he's at texas a&m at the time with billy gillespie he's like yeah i'm gonna go to kentucky with coach gillespie and you know bradley's looking for an assistant and this and that and i was like all right cool i was so I ended up flying out there interviewing and Coach Les, Jim Les, offered me the job that night. And it was, it was definitely a humbling experience because when I went recruiting in Chicago, I think it was at the Joy of the Game maybe, it was the first time in my life I've ever walked in a gym and not know one person. And you talk about, like, being like, what am I doing? Like I was, I was looking around and I was like shell shocked. And a coach, Rodell Davis, he's now an assistant coach at Chicago State. He was an assistant at Drake at the time. I think I had that look on my face. And he came up to me. And he, like, helped me. He told me who was who, who's the scouting service guys I need to talk to, and you know what A.U. coaches to talk to, and. That helped me tremendously because, you know, like I say, I'm big on relationships, so now I knew who who to form a relationship with. Right. And so, you know, that really taught me about, I think, in the show to where, like, no matter where I go, I'm a genuine guy, so I'll be able to build a relationship no matter where I'm
0: at. Right. And then while you were there, y'all had success as well, two 20-win back-to-back seasons. Yeah, we
1: went to we we played in postseason two out of the three years, um, and so we had two twenty win seasons and a lot of great players and you know Coach Les is a former Bradley Brave so right it was it was definitely a, a great time for me especially my first experience as a Division One assistant coach right. in the Missouri Valley was I mean at that time you had Creighton in the Missouri Valley Wichita State. Um, and then, you know, a lot of the current teams that's in and now. So, I mean, it was, the arenas was
0: packed. It was, it was big time. Nah, man. Nah, that's big time. How, how was it for you, uh, moving, you know, to Bradley? Um, cause that's in Illinois, you know, you coming from Texas. Cold.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the winter time man, smacked you, huh?
1: Man, it was throwing a lot. And one of those, one of those winners was like, according to everybody, was one of the worst winners that they've had. And I'm thinking, like, come on. So (laughs) um, actually a piece of advice (laughs) just for everybody, um, make sure that when you're a young coach, if you don't have to buy, don't buy a house or a condo. Um, I made a huge mistake when I went to Bradley. Because I knew it was going to snow, I bought a condo with a garage just so I won't have to like dig it like every morning when I when I wake up. And because of that, you know, once I went to Sam Houston, I couldn't afford both. And so I ended up foreclosing at the spot in um, Peoria, Illinois. So while you're young and you're
0: moving around, rent as much as you can. That's right. That's right. I forgot you told us that story, Uh, I think, on one of the early episodes of Be Ready. That's yeah. What- Oh, man. Learn from my mistake. <laughs> For sure. For sure. I put that in my back pocket. But um, yeah, if I call you and you buy and I'm going to be like, bro, what are you doing? You know, I'm going to hit you before I even buy. That way we only yeah. get to that point. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you uh, were at Bradley three years and then you end up heading back to Houston, you know, to get away from that, the winner and all that good stuff. Uh, talk to us about that and how that came about.
1: So Coach Houghton was um, an assistant coach at Sam Houston, and then Bob Marlin ended up um, basically, I think, after winning so much, he ended up going to Louisiana. And so he okay. when he's in Louisiana. Coach Houghton is the first-year head coach. And, you know, I had a couple of people reach out to me and ask me would I be interested. And so it was good for me because my great-grandmother, she was part of the village that helped raise me. And she was in her 90s at the time, and I knew, you know, she wasn't going to be on earth very long. And so it was an opportunity for me to get closer to home and kind of be there for her during the, you know, kind of the the last months of, of her life. And so um, she was a big part of raising me. And so I wanted to be closer to her. And so it was an opportunity for me to get back. Get back to Houston. Get closer to Houston, I should say, because Huntsville is not actually in Houston. But get closer to Houston and be around my family, and and at the same time help Coach Hooten as first year head coach and learn what to do and what not to do when you first become a head coach.
0: Right. Good. Good. And then again, you spend you know a couple years there as well, and then you know the Kansas State um, situation uh for you came about so uh how did that happen because coach weber was there kansas state and then you head there and y'all had a lot of success you know on that staff and you know y'all had some of the best stretches you know in school history over there so how how did that come about for you to head up that way with him coach weber was looking for somebody that could recruit
1: texas and so um, that was kind of the main reason why I had the opportunity. He contacted a lot of different people in the in our state and just to trying to see who's some of the best candidates. And I know he talked to a couple of different people. And um, luckily, I was one of the people that he was interested in. And so when I actually went on the interview, I think he wanted to just kind of see what type of person I was and. You know, most of the time he hired former players or former staff members. And so I was one of the few that he hired that didn't play for him or never coach with him. And I think a lot of that had to do with Coach Chris Lowry, who's the associate head coach. He was at Southern Illinois in the Missouri Valley when I was at Bradley. And I got a chance to get to know him during that time. And so they were looking for somebody that could recruit Texas. And, you know, I was able to show them that I could do that.
0: And while you were there, y'all had two NCAA appearances, uh, won almost 80 games or something like that.
1: Yeah, I think we won 79 games, which is like in four years. And then we, two NCAA appearances, first Big 12 championship in school history. And so we, we had a lot of success. Um, I learned a lot from one of the, you know, in my opinion, one of the best coaches in the game and. And it gave me an opportunity to, he made sure that he empowered us to do everything. Right. And so, because of that, I feel like it helped prepare me even more than
0: I was. Right. And then, obviously, you had another ring to to the back-to-backs with the, with the regular yeah. season titles. So now you got three. You also had a season where y'all won 27 games, second most in school history. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, y'all had it rolling. So you were there for what four years? If I'm not mistaken, yeah, four years. Four years, yeah, and four then, years. You know, and then you get the opportunity to head to Baylor where you are now, um, and shoot, <laughs> y'all y'all had it rolling over there for <laughs> for a while. Uh, yeah. Going into your fifth year now, right?
1: Yep, yep. So these past four years, they went by quick, but I mean I can't complain. It was four great years. I right. mean we've been the four postseasons in a row. Well, we've been number one in the country two out of the four years at some point. And this past season, winning twenty three games in a row, which is a big twelve record. I think we went over ninety days without a loss. Which is that was O D crazy that was wild. Yeah. (laughs) And so we had a top five defense this past year and just, you know, learning from Coach Drew has been great for me. And so I'm, you know, I'm glad I, I made this decision because, you know, at first I had a lot of people tell me, do not come to Baylor. Um, really? Yeah. Four years ago, it was one of the toughest decisions of my life just because, of course, we had the opportunity to stay at Kansas State. Um, Jamie Dixon had just got hired at TCU. And so um, he was talking to my wife and I about coming there and then Coach Drew, I was talking to my wife and I about coming here, so I kind of felt like a recruit again. And, <laughs> I mean, we actually took a visit. We took a visit to TCU, oh, wow. and we actually came to Baylor and visited here. And obviously, I knew what Kansas State was like, and so um, it was some, it was some, it was some tough nights. Um, I actually told Coach Weber and John Curry, who's was AD, who's not AD at Wake Forest. I actually told them I was coming to, I was going to TCU. Mm. and uh, for whatever reason you know I felt like I made a quick decision and I didn't really think it through and so you know I had that I am try to be well prepared and had that feeling in my stomach to where like you need to think about this more and so after thinking about it more you know praying a lot and leaning on my inner circle because everybody was telling me not to come to Baylor Um, I Decided to come here and it's one of the best decisions I ever made in my life.
0: I was about to say the staff. Y'all got a great staff over there. Obviously, Scott Drew, uh, Jerome Tang, and it's crazy because on Wednesday on our Be Ready, we were just talking staff dynamics and stuff like that. So, how important is it, or how important has it been for you being at at Baylor with the staff that y'all have, especially? You know somebody like you know Jerome Tang, who you know just from watching watching him and how he carries himself and you know just the love he shows everybody as a as a person. Um, yeah. How is it? You know how has it been? You know being under his wing, learning from him. Man, it's been great for me.
1: Um, I feel like I I feel like it's like I have a huge advantage, like I have an uncompetitive un- advantage by having. Um, Coach Tang, and then Coach Jacobs is our other assistant, and he's he's really good. And then you have Coach Drew. I mean, he's he's really good, right. obviously. Right. <laughs> For, right. I was about to right. say. <laughs> right. And so, you know, we did a personality assessment, and each one of us, you know, in a DISC assessment, each one of us is something different, and so we kind of balance each other out well. And then. You know, we have a a big staff. Um, We have, you know, it ain't just us. It ain't just the three assistants and the head coach. We have a big staff, and everybody compliments one another. And I think something that separates us from a lot of staffs are when we're in the meeting room, when Coach Drew asks us a question, people actually tell how they really feel. And then we all men enough, if it hurt, it hurt but once we walk out of that room it's all love right and we don't have a meeting after the meeting about whatever somebody else said in that room like if it's something that we want to hash out we hash it out in front of one another and it's one of the few times i've ever been a part of a staff that actually does that i remember when i first came and coach drew would ask me a question i would kind of skate around it (laughs) try to be (laughs) political (laughs) and but he wouldn't let me slide with it he'll he say, no, you got to give me an answer, a real answer. Right. And so it, it kind of taught me, man, to, like, if you have psychological safety to where you can really voice your opinion,
0: then that could take your program to a whole different level. That's, you know, I'm going into year three, and, you know, I think that's definitely something that's important, you know. You know, that's the one thing about JT Burton that I can't say is from the jump. He said, like, man, you know keep it a 100 with me you know we gonna fuss we gonna fight but after that we're gonna go grab something to eat and it's gonna be all good after that so gotta love that man for sure gotta love that for sure so man let me ask you this so obviously you know you've been division one for going on 15 years now mm, that's a great question <laughs> something like that yeah. something like something around there. um and obviously you've been at the power five level as an assistant for the past- for Eight years, yeah. Eight, for eight years. How So how is it balancing out? Cause you know, some people um, will say that, you know, it's hard to balance out the egos that come with, you know, some of these, these big time guys that come into your, the program. And, you know, like we was talking about the other night, you know, sometimes <laughs> uh, production can outweigh problems. Um, yes. So how how is it weighing, balancing out? I should say, um, some of these guys' egos, or is this something at Baylor that y'all do a good job with? You know, making sure it's nipped in the bud before anything gets too crazy. Oh, it's
1: a it's the constant fight. <laughs> I don't care where you at. It's a constant fight. Um, I like to tell our players and even our staff at times like we all have an ego. Right. You know, you got ego. I have ego. We all have ego. Right. Um, some people, egos are just bigger than others. And so you got to figure out a way to, I mean, I think in order for you to be good at whatever you do, you have to have an ego. And so you just got to know how to control it. And so the right. biggest thing for us is just controlling it um, because your best players, egos are going to be big. Just, yeah. I mean, they. that's why they're good. Because right. they think they're good, All
0: right.
1: and so, but now you got to channel it, channel it the right way to where it's not counterproductive. And so we we constantly preach family, we constantly preach team, and we constantly show examples of when we are a family, and we show examples of when we're not. And so by us doing that, I think we're able to control the egos a little bit more than a lot of people because we focus on. You know, most of the ego come with scoring the basketball. And that's what everybody focuses on. That's what, you know, everybody want to interview the leading and score. And so we try to focus on everything besides scoring. Right. And I think that kind of helps us control the egos. And even doing, I'll take it even further, with our staff, we recruit as a team. And that kind of kills egos because now it's not my guy versus your guy is everybody's everybody got right so that kind of helps us
0: as a program right while you were talking about that what popped in my head was i remember one of the first times i ever watched you talking on a zoom you kind of talked about the dynamic or there's a system that y'all have where you know y'all get really competitive and y'all do like a uh, it's like a point system or something that y'all do where y'all kind of keep track y'all have different colors for different uh yeah body language yeah body language the body language yeah uh, so kind of talk to us about that um and and how important that's been for y'all program man i think that's been a game changer
1: for us i actually learned it from a guy named scott Savore, who's a, a a mental professional coach basically and so what it is, is it's, two, it's four categories, two positive, two negative. And so what you want to do is you always want to have, like anything, more positive than negative. And so um, you have the two positives are beast mode. So beast mode is like you, you dunk on somebody and you flex or so you make a big play. They like huge momentum plays. And so you'll probably have a few of those a game. Right. Um, the next category we call is cold green to where if I pass you the ball, and you hit a three, like, we need to acknowledge each other. Like, I need to point at you, you point at me, or, you know, we running back on defense and we close enough, We I stick my hand out, we slap hands, that's cold greens, you get points for that. The two negatives are um, if you're bending over and touching your knees, um, showing that you're tired, that's the cold blue, which is the negative. And so, actually, some kind of study—I don't know if it's true—it was floating on Instagram saying you breathe better with by touching your knees. So I had a bunch of players contacting me talking about they need they point <laughs> back. <laughs> but I told them I want to see the research on that first. Right. <laughs> but so that's the cold blue, and then cold red. If I pass the ball to you, and um, the ball go out of bounds, you get mad at me and put your put your hands up like your palms out, and we like no, nah, we don't want to show that is not my fault. That's basically saying that's not my fault. Right. And so we don't want to show nobody up. And that's cold red. Anytime you fuss at the referee, it's a cold red, uh, whether it was deserved or not. And so we deduct points for cold reds and cold blues. And at the end of the day, we add the positives up and we divide them by the minuses. And you need to be above a 3.0. um, Positive over negative, and if you're not, then you have something a little extracurricular with the strength coach. Man, and it's helped us because, I mean, Man. most most guys, I mean, you have a few superstars that's gonna get drafted lottery. Right. After that, ninety percent of NBA are role players. So what a what a pro scouts are gonna look at, they are gonna look at what kind of teammate um you are. And so we're kind of instilling habits of them being great teammates. And now when they had an opportunity to work out for an NBA team and they have those habits, they're going to stand out because everybody's not doing that because most people going to be into themselves. And nobody, if you go out, I ask our players, if you go into the Lakers tomorrow, how many shots you going to get?
0: Two, maybe less than two. Three, if that. <laughs> Maybe
1: two <of> them, yeah. <laughs> three, if you get the rebound.
0: Facts, facts. <laughs> so,
1: so, what are you doing to to make sure that they keep you on the team? If you just sitting over there on the bench and you just mad, they not gonna they not gonna they gonna kick you off the team. They are gonna right, let you right. go. And so, you got to figure out a way to make yourself be a part of something bigger than you. And if you think you just gonna do it when you get there, you are wrong. Because right. now you got a a habit of being selfish, mm-hmm. and so it's, it's gonna it's gonna follow you. Right. And so we try to like instill that at a at an age to where hopefully when the scouts leave, it's better. I know we've had former players that has told us like, man, they said that I I touch hands, I do this, I do that, and I'm like, bro, we've been trying to get you to do that for three years. <laughs> And, and you know now he's doing it and he's making money because of that.
0: You know, another thing that popped in my head while you were telling it was you actually was talking about Mark Vidal and how he was arguably, you know, your best defender. Um yes. uh, tell us can you I think you remember what story I'm talking about. We, um,
1: we call it Mr. We call it 95%. Um so Billy Donovan, he always talked about when he's at Florida as the head coach 95 percent of the time you're not gonna have the ball and so he actually we calculate like okay you played 24 minutes and we'll ask him how much time did you have the ball in your hands in 24 minutes now you'd be surprised if someone answers you should do that next year right. At, like after y'all scrimmage or yeah. after the first game just ask them like calculate it and they're gonna be like oh 15 minutes 10 minutes And they'll be surprised most – if you're not the point guard, you probably won't have the ball in your hands more than a minute or two. If that, that's a lot. Right, right. And so it's like, okay, what are you doing to help our team win in the 95% of the time you don't have the ball? And so Mark Vidal went a whole game without a shot attempt, and he still was a plus 21 or something like that to help us win just because he does everything else. and he's really embraced it to where he calls himself Mr. 95 on Instagram. And I think that's, you know, I've had, you know, pro scouts call me and when they call, they ask about him because of that, because like we was talking about, if you go to the Lakers, he's going to help the Lakers because he he's going to get got the that mentality. Pass. Yeah. Like he got that mentality. I'm a, I'm a guard. Whoever I need to guard. I don't care if I don't get shots. And now, you know, Anthony Davis, LeBron, you know, do what you do. i got to do everything else. Right. And, you know, I think a lot of, you know, a lot of kids don't understand that. Most people think that you got to score. But in reality, scoring is only so much. Because even if you average 30 a game, how are you getting 30 a game? Are you efficient? Right. Is it layups? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, like. That's when, when I'm looking at recruiting, the kids say, okay, I average this. I'm like, okay, how many of those are layups? <laughs> <laughs> like, you're not getting layups in the Big 12. Right. So I I need to know how many of that 30 are college baskets. And you'll be surprised, like, you know, if you when you're recruiting and you look, like, see what kind of baskets they really scoring. Because if they scoring layups, like, you ain't going to get that many layups in college. Now coaches are too good to just give up layups.
0: Right. And, man, like you said about Mark Vidal, I mean, that's a testament to, to you know, who he is. I mean, shoot, he was a 2020 Naismith Defensive Player of the Year finalist. So that yes. right there sums up the Mr. 95 all, you know, on its own. So, um, So, man, moving forward, how is it for y'all at Baylor? You know, like you said, y'all embrace the family tradition. Uh, and y'all also have a deal with y'all players where outside the court, y'all um, have y'all players come into the office, I think, once a day or something like that, where they have to check yeah, in. Yeah,
1: we, we actually – we do some – we um we actually eat with them. Okay. And so we eat with a one-on-one. And so um, Coach Drew is the first head coach to tell me, when I first got to Baylor four years ago, he said, before we start practice – I need you to eat one on one with every player, and I was like, "Huh?" <laughs> <laughs> and he said, "Like getting to know these guys is way more important than actually coaching them, mm. because you know you was a player. Right? Like you, if you if you felt like your coaches um, really cared for you, you was gonna play harder. Right? And then you knew the ones that you know it was strictly business, and so." some kids are able to overcome the strictly business mindset and play hard for they for their coaches a lot of a lot of players not right and so um just me being able to go eat with them and we still do it um it it helps us to get to know who they are and you know if anything they're going through we're able to to help them because I mean as coaches you're supposed to help mentor them through everything not just basketball
0: right Right, nah. I think that's like you said, big time, especially with players that come from similar backgrounds. Um, yes, you know, especially players that look like you, and yes. uh, you know, think like you, all that type yes. stuff, man. That all plays a role, in that and they develop being away from
1: home. Yeah, and you know, I I remember, man. I went when I went to Idaho State. Man, I was that was to a big, big, big change for me. <laughs> i would <was laughs> say. <So, laughs> um. And, you know, luckily the coaches, they invite to their house. Um, they they kind of didn't just get us out there and leave us on our own. And so the right. transition was a little bit easier because of that.
0: Right. So let's let's um, forward to the last little bit of this interview and kind of talk about, obviously, y'all were on the road finishing up the season. I think y'all may have lost a couple games right there at the end, but – Y'all were still looking to make you know a big move into the tournament, Um, and obviously COVID hits. In a sense, it kind of let you, you know, branch off and start something that's become you know bigger than what you thought it was going to be in regards to the Be Ready (laughs) panel. Um, And you know, now I mean, it's it's a family at the end of the day. It is. Um, It is. So kind of talk about how that the whole Be Ready. Thing came about because I was actually reading an article that um, from an interview you did on with Idaho State when you were at Bradley, and I know your motto was "Everything happens for a reason." Um, yep, is that still your motto? And do you tie that with uh, your "Be ready"?
1: Man, you just—I just got chills in my body by <laughs> by you saying that. <laughs> um, wow. Um, everything does happen for a reason. Like I always feel that way. And so, um, the pandemic kind of, I think, forced everyone to, to help one another. Right. And I think in the past to where, you know, especially I'm just speaking as the coaching profession, you know, we will walk by each other and, you know, you just, you're doing your own thing. I don't know if you think each other a competition or you just feel like you're too busy or whatever it may be, but we never really helped one another. And so... Um, being in that group text and that group me, you know, I was like, you know it's time that you know we help one another, you know, Coach banks, um antoine banks at Alabama and m kind of started it the the um, the the text thread the group me. and you know I was like, man, let's let's help one another more than just talking. and so I started the zoom. And I think I just said, all right, I'm starting the Zoom so we could talk basketball at some point. And then I just kinda moved on. But then Coach Terrence Commodore, um, Terrence Commodore, who was at he was at Evansville, he called me and he was like, You still have that zoom? And I was like, Yeah. He's like, Man, you need to do it tonight. And so we did it, and I thought it was gonna last one night, and for 40 minutes was free. I think we had to restart it like three times <laughs> <laughs> because I think it went three hours. And
0: right.
1: I was like, that was actually fun. And so after that, man, I don't know. It just, Damon Stoudemire was the first official guest after that. And then this I made mean, it kind of, I mean, I think it's been 13 weeks that we've, been doing this since march
0: 22nd yeah man and it's been something that's i mean grown crazy like real crazy i I know i i missed like the first four or five of them and then um from there it ended up it ended up getting to a point where you had to start streaming it live on youtube for the ones that don't even get into the zoom call (laughs) (laughs) yes
1: yes i remember it was like it was at a point to where people was like it'll be at a hundred like ten minutes before we start, and you know the hundred is the max, and so man, for me, it's just like I was like, I'm the type of person where I want to include everybody, and so I was like, having the the people that's out that make this maker help them, so how can we figure out a way to where if they can't make it on, they still can learn from it and mm-hmm. so Putting on YouTube live has been great because I even get texts from coaches at all levels, even NBA guys that go back and watch it. Right, and it's like right, wow. Right. Like it's been tremendously good for, you know, all of us in the Be Ready family, you know, including you, I hope.
0: Oh, for sure. For sure, man. Shoot them and my girl, she knew off rip and them Wednesdays and Saturday nights at the time, like <laughs> like Hey, I'm sorry, baby, but hey, I will yeah. at you in the morning.
1: <laughs> I know. I think I think all I think everybody they kinda happy that we we down to one once a week. So now they get they get a chance to spend time with us
0: on the weekend. Oh, for sure, for sure. So let's get back to it, man, and and finish up with uh let me ask you this, because I know you know, obviously outside the court, um, one thing that you take a lot of pride in is I know you have a family. You got two boys um, and you talk yeah. a lot about, you know, your oldest who um, has autism. Yeah. Um, you know, how important is it or has it been, you know, especially for, you know, the B rally family, you know, really anybody that's affiliated um, with you to. You know support you know your be ready movement because I know what you've done is you've actually had the apparel that you started selling and you had proceeds from that going to um, autism autism yeah. so kind of talk about that
1: man it's been I think everything has been organic like um first start in be ready like first you know just doing the zoom call we didn't even have a name for it we just did it right and you know after that once we've, you know, figured out that, okay, this is something that we could do while we're in a the pandemic, then I thought of a name. And, you know, Be Ready came up with because, you know, my dad was the first African-American head coach of any sport at Houston. Right. And, you know, thing is Be Ready because when you get that opportunity, you may not ever get a chance to get it again. And so, um, you know, my dad, you know, he was ready. But he had some circumstances that, you know, it didn't work out. But so be ready for, you know, us future coaches that want to be head coaches. We get that shot. We got to be ready. Right. And, you know, the apparel actually, somebody in the group me was like, man, we need shirts. And I had never even thought about shirts. That's right. And I was, yeah, and I was like shirts. And so I started (laughs) researching it and then trying to figure out a way um, and, Actually, you know, starting the shirts out, you know, I talked to my wife. I was like, you know, if we are going to sell shirts like we need to help somebody, you know, help somebody with it. And so right. obviously autism is dear to us because of our, our family, my um, son. And so um, it's actually two different groups in town that we we is um, one called No Limitations that actually they have sports. Uh, our sons play sports and it's a nonprofit and they volunteer and it's just for our kids with autism and disabilities. And they play basketball, baseball, football. I mean, it's, they play everything. And so, um, we for sure are going to donate, um, some of the proceeds to them. And then it's another one. We just trying to research to see if we can, cause a lot of, a lot of them don't accept donations, but right. if not, then we'll just donate, um, Donate to no limitations for sure. Um, right. From now until whenever we're done, but um, so it's been organic. It's not something that you know that I, I still still learning on the process. We losing a lot of money on shipping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, just because you know I don't I don't want to charge people arm and a leg for shipping. Right. And so when I go pay for it, we always over budget on shipping. So learning learning their process too. Right uh, right now and so um everything's been organic so I you know that's what you know I'm just ready for whatever's next. You know, right. people talking about joggers and all this and that I don't
0: know. I'd say windbreakers, <laughs> you know Yo. shoot, we we need it all. Shoot especially yeah, I know get the get the uh be ready Jabo pants. I don't know if you remember <laughs> them <that
1: one. laughs> Oh man, I used to have Jabot pants. I'm from I'm from Houston so you no, know, you both to say, started in louisiana
0: so we always had that <laughs> i was about to say man like you said that shipping cost was because i think when i got my shirt it said like two dollars on shipping i was like yo i'm about to give me like four or five more shirts like this is the cheapest shipping you gonna find anywhere on the internet yeah it nah, ain't gonna take five to seven days to get to you nah i know man
1: <laughs> so we <laughs> I've been actually the ladies that's in the post office. They, they, they used to me now because I've been up there like four times. So, right. They kind of trying to help, help us through the process. But, you know, it's been, it's been a learning experience. Yeah. Um, definitely. I don't, I mean, I, I got a lot of respect for people that actually sell clothes out of their house. I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big, we, you know, we didn't expect people to, you know, we just did it just for the family members because everything is pre-ordered, right? And so, but it's been a surprise. I don't know a lot of the names that pop up from people buying. I don't know how they found out about it or what. Right. But um, I'm definitely excited to be able to take a check because um, no limitations and DAD um, autism groups. They have no idea that we're doing this, right? And so right. it's gonna be fun to take the check up to them and. And just to see their
0: reaction, um, and hopefully, it, you know, it'll help help them. Yeah, man, that's that's what it's all about. You know, a lot of things are more important than basketball. Um, Way more important. You know, Way so more important. so nah, man. You know, last man, let me ask you um, ask you this: What what advice do you have for for the young guys um, like myself or anybody, you know, in the early stages of coaching and you know looking to have as as much success as you've had, um, you know what I mean? Um, What what advice can you give them? Um, This may sound simple, but
1: don't get frustrated. Um, I think a lot of times we set goals and expectations on what we want our career to be, and it's not going to work out just like that. I mean, I'm sure – you know, as a player, you had these expectations and you had the plan of what you wanted your career to be and it's not going to go that way but I think the people that don't get frustrated and continue to get better will eventually get the break that they need right. and so don't get frustrated surround yourself with the right people at all times, like um, never choose a job for money, like the people that you work with and work for is way more important than the money. Because if you're working with the right people, you're going to win. And now you're going to advance. Um, right. The success that I have is all because of the people that I've been surrounded with. Um, obviously, I feel like, you know, I do something to help us. But I'm not the person, the only person that's helping. Like I'm around great people that's talented. And um, to me, that's why you talk about the Be Ready family. Somebody asked me the other day, like, why do you think it's, like, the way it is now? And I say, if you look at the Be Ready family, from top to bottom, everybody's talented. Like, we have a talented family. And, like, everybody brings something to the table. And we all understand that this is bigger than us. And so you got to do that as Whatever programs that you're a part of, like be around talented people. If you if you can, you know, it's hard to know going in, but be around good people right. because at the same time, that's we spend a lot of time away from our families, and you don't ever want to be miserable, man. Um so, for sure. And other than that, players. <laughs> got, gotta have players. Right. And so, um, at the end of the day, you could be the greatest coaches in the world, but if you don't have good players, it ain't gonna matter. If you gotta coach every single thing, you gotta go find somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> Some stuff you just don't need to coach. Right. Facts. Facts, man. So, so I, that would be it, man. I, I've been blessed, but, you know. Three years in the game, man, you got a great opportunity. You were a great, great person, um, Coach JT. So, you know, embrace that opportunity, man. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to following how y'all do. Most definitely, man.
0: I appreciate that. And I appreciate you taking the time out this morning Uh, you know, do this interview and and not interfere with you know my my four five dollar uh peak Doordash pay I'm about to get this evening. <laughs> of course, shout out, man! I
1: tell y'all can't mess up your money. I was man. about
0: to say shout out to Dream uh for you know put me on game with with Doordash and uh <laughs> yeah. had to give him his recognition so had to give oh, my man, man a little bit of that. So
1: sometimes when I call him he be on those runs and it just. <laughs> If he if he if he pulling up to an apartment, I just say all right, man. You got to get out the phone because if it's a new apartment, he he got to got to make sure you find make it sure time. You get
0: the right one. For
1: sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: for sure, so, man. For sure. So. Well, AB man, I ain't gonna hold you. I appreciate you. Uh, definitely, you know, to be ready family going to be at your head when they hear you. Uh, you put this use know. this mic to use for sure.
1: <laughs> I already know. I, I see how you do it, so. I'm going to have to make sure moving forward, I probably have be ready, probably put my mic like this just to mess with him. But, <laughs> man, I appreciate you for, you know, asking me to be on. I think this is something huge that you're doing to, you know, not only help, you know, coaches, but people in general. And so, you yeah. know, continue to do it. Um, I think this is something that's going to,
0: you know, go a long way for a lot of people for sure man for sure man uh like you said like we said man uh, you know life goes beyond the hardwood and you know at the end of the day yes. i appreciate you for hopping on man and and uh shoot man you know we'll be in touch yes sir appreciate it bro all right for sure all right thanks again for tuning in to beyond the hardwood just a quick reminder to share subscribe and leave a review as we continue to build this platform And remember, until next time, life goes beyond the hardwood.